following step by step the leading of the Lord. And God is just good and wonderful. Next Sunday morning, Brother Skip is going to be here uh, preaching for us, and that's going to be a, a, a great time. Somebody told me, or Brother Charlie told me he couldn't stay away. He came by here this morning to go to another. He's going to Red Bluff, but he came by here first to see everybody. So, and uh, so we're just we're just so glad to have him come up next Sunday. This morning, I just I want to bring you the Word of God. I have been um, thinking all week. We've been had plenty of time to think. Traveling uh, with my grandson Rodney most of the way, and then then Kay and Reagan also. But and we talked, and and as we began to talk, I said, Rodney, I'm I'm going to bring what we're talking about to the pulpit Sunday morning. So going to be repetitious for him. <laughs> and a lot of what I'll say this morning may sound repetitious. It might seem like, well, you're just repetitive in what you say, Pastor. And but there's a reason. There's a reason why God ordains a certain message in the mouth of a minister. And I just believe that with all my heart. I believe God uh, will cause each. And the, one of the things is that we find in the book of Ephesians is that, that God set some in the church and they weren't all the same. He set some, some apostles and some evangelists and prophets and teachers and pastors, and to each one is given a certain understanding and ability by the Spirit of the Lord. That is when the Holy Spirit of God enables us and quickens us to do something that really, really we don't have the ability on our own to do. And so God raises up in certain ways and positions and and sets certain things in our hearts. And uh, so we want to read this morning and go to Ephesians. I want to talk about the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Again, it's been some time, probably a few years since I've actually taken this title, but the Lord just brought it back this morning, and so uh, we're going to go there to Ephesians, the first verse of the third chapter. So Ephesians 3 and verse 1, and I do want to read down just a little bit. And so those that this morning, if you want to um, take pencil and paper in hand, and just kind of write some of these things down. Um, this is a lifetime of study for me. This is something that um, God has just been working in my life for so long. And, and I just want to bring these things this morning. Like I said, some of you will say, well, that's kind of repetitious. But, but again, we want to get it in your spirit. Uh, Ephesians, the third, third chapter and the first verse. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, on behalf of you, the nations, if indeed you heard of the stewardship of the grace of God given to me for you, that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief, by the reading of which you are able to realize my understanding in the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, as it now has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit or by the Spirit for the nations to be joint heirs of the same body and sharers of his promise in Christ <coughs> through the gospel, of which I am made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me according to the working of his power. And verse 8, this gift was given to me 
less than the least of all the saints, to preach the gospel of the unsearchable riches of Christ among the nations, and to bring all to light what is the fellowship of the mystery, having been hidden from eternity in God, the one creating all things through Jesus Christ, so that now to the rulers and to the authorities in heaven, in the heavenlies, might be known through the church the manifold wisdom of God, and I want to stop at verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. According to the eternal purpose. Can you say that with me? The eternal purpose. Just we're going to work with that this morning a little bit. According to the eternal purpose. So God had a purpose, and it went way back. Way back into eternity. And according to that purpose, he manifested all things, accomplished all things in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to read one more verse. And this would come from the Lord's mouth. Uh, Matthew, the 13th chapter and the 11th verse. <clears throat> In answering, he said unto them, because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. He's talking directly to his apostles. But his apostles, his apostles are going to declare what they know and the mystery they know to the church. And it's given to them to understand the mystery of God. I preach this morning about the mystery of God. I say, well, Pastor, teach us something plain. Well, I'm going to try and do that this morning. Teach us something that we can live on. You know, something that, that really is good. I'm going to try and do that this morning. Because when you find him, you have found life. So I'm going to preach about Jesus again this morning, wonderful Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask you now, as we break open your word, Lord, use me, I pray this morning, just as a vessel. Lord, I understand that I'm not perfect. I understand, Lord, that the carnal mind doesn't understand everything about the process of God, but help us, Lord. And God, your reasoning become our reasoning. The things that you would like us to understand concerning the mysteries of Christ this morning, we pray that you would open and illuminate our heart. In your holy name, Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. So I don't know if we're going to shout too much this morning. Sometimes we clap, sometimes we're amens. But we're going to study a little bit this morning. And so what I want to do is talk to you about the mystery of Jesus Christ, his kingdom. First, let me preface this by saying you will not understand Jesus. You will not understand his kingdom unless the Spirit of God gives revelation in your life. It's not something you can do. It's not something you can pull out a book and understand. It's not that you can go to Bible college and understand. It's not you can send off and get a course. You can listen to the best professors. You can listen to the best preachers, and suddenly you'll begin to understand. But let me tell you this. Revelation does not come by flesh and blood. 
Jesus told, told Peter after Peter got the great revelation, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, that Jesus told him, Peter, you did not receive this from flesh. You can't get revelation from flesh. What you can get is an understanding of how to, understand, how to reach forward to God through the preaching of revelation. And so God gives us revelation by His Spirit, and then also, as we just read, by the prophetic preaching of His preceding anointed word, and basically to start with was his apostles. And from those apostles comes this prophetic word of God. And let me talk about prophecy again. We've got prophecy going on. We were listening on the way back out there and, and, and heard a man who has just prophesied about end times and, and it did not come to pass. And then he prophesied some other things and it did not come to pass. And But He's got a great following because he is prophesying, even though what he is saying is not coming to pass, yet it's in the form of an Old Testament prophet, and thus saith the Lord, but I've got a better thing for you this morning than telling you of something that's going to happen. I'm going to tell you of something that already did happen. And I'm going to proclaim a, a word of God prophetically that is not about uh, a fourth foretelling but it's about a foretelling of what God the mystery of God is not out there the mystery of God is in here and so if we pursue that which we do not know that that which we cannot see and cannot find and look forward into end times and we look forward into things that 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 may have some significance vaguely upon the church. It really isn't going to hold any weight when it comes to the Word of God, which the Word of God, things are hidden in the Word of God that need to be dug out by you and I. Can you say amen? So this process begins with the apostles. I believe John was the great revelator. If you begin to read John's work in John, the first chapter, not not the, the revelation, no, but, but the first chapter of the book of John, we base much of what we believe, much of what we feel, much which travels through the Word of God out of that first chapter of the, the, the book of John. And he began to prophetically begin to give us revelation of Jesus Christ and then carried on through the apostles and through Paul. Paul lays down so much, and we're going to read from his work this morning, and we're going to look at Paul's life a little bit because he had so much to do with the revelation of God being, being told to the church. And so the deep things of God, there are some deep things. How many know there's some deep things of God? There are some shallow things. There are some things that a fool would not err therein. And that is that you need salvation. That is that if you don't know the Savior, that we've got a Savior that can save your life and forgive your sin. He can take you out of darkness and he can put you uh, on the path of righteousness and light this morning. And everything about him is going to be salvation to your life. That's just as simple and as plain as we can possibly put it this morning. But I don't want to stop there because there are some deeper things. And the scripture said that they are known to us by the revelation of the Spirit of God. The deep things are hidden from the remiss. From those who really don't care about it. Those who would not seek and search the scripture of God. But those deep things are hidden. They're there, but you'll just never see them. 
And those that don't have a desire, that don't, don't have this hunger and thirst for righteousness in their soul will, will stop at just a little bit, just a tiny bit of the revelation of God. But I know that it is God's will that you and I, as men and women of God who have sat in church for years and years, need to go on. That we don't stop at the milk. That we don't stay at the milk. And when we ought to have been teachers, that we go to be in the place where we are teachers and understanding things, not as children tossed to and fro, but as men and women who have grown up and begin to know the mystery of God and what it speaks to us. Can you say amen? So Paul said we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The word mystery kind of catches us because we think of mystery as connected to the word mysterious, but, but this is not mysterious. This word mystery in the Scripture is not something unknowable. Rather, this is the definition of this word mystery. Rather, it is what can only be known by revelation. It's not something that can't be known, but it can only be known by revelation, by the Spirit of God. And so Paul gives this testimony in, in Galatians 1. He gives this testimony. He said, The gospel that I preached, I did not receive it of man, nor was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. And so when God chose Paul, it says in Galatians that, that, that when God chose me to reveal his son to me, he said, I didn't go and listen and sit under, but what I did was I went to Arabia there where God could transform everything that I knew, everything I had about the Old Testament and the Old Scriptures, that God began to transform that into revelation of Jesus Christ. And this man, one of the most studied men, one of the most brilliant men of his time, must have the Spirit of God in his life in order to understand the very Scripture that he had studied all of his life and never did come to comprehend. But by the Spirit of God, he goes into Arabia for three years, and he says, there, God began to transform. God began to do something in my life. And it was called the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I have preached for 25 years I believe this word. I believe God wants to show himself to you. I believe God wants you to grow up in him. I believe you need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is repeated over and over and over. And so I contend I stand behind this platform, this pulpit rather than for 25 years when other churches have built built works and, and built churches on music and, and built churches on, on different philosophies and entertainment. I've stood here for 25 years and I said there's only one thing that's going to keep your life and I say it this morning. That is not the things that are trappings about church but there is one single thing that will keep your life and that is the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that you know him in a personal way in your life. And so I feel like that what I do is, is to just try and reveal and what happens in this church and our ministers which follow that same pattern. They're revealing Jesus Christ. They're teaching us the Lord because when we come to understand Him and who He is, it changes our life forever and ever. I believe in the, the apocalypsis. The apocalypsis is a Greek word that says it was hidden but now it is revealed. The word collapses 
actually means to be covered up, to be hidden. And then apo is from that state of being hidden. It's exposed now. And so the things of God, I, now I like this. Jesus said there isn't anything covered that will not be exposed. And so we think of that in the wrong way. We think of that that, you know, I've had trouble in my life and I've come to the Lord and, and I've prayed, but, you know, people are going to find out. And, and, you know, I had a mistake over here and people are going to find out. And everything I've done is going to be uncovered. But I want to take it to a spiritual meaning this morning because there is nothing hidden in the Word of God that that the Spirit of God does not have power to reveal what is hidden in the Word of God to your life. So that word apocalypse is it. It takes the hidden thing of God and it brings it to where we can see it now. It exposes to us the glory and the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What I have found out over 25 years is that those who are serious are the hungry ones and those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, in this case, the mysteries of Jesus Christ, they shall be filled. But those that do not hunger, our flesh flows toward the, the, the entertainment. It flows towards the flash. It flows towards the fluff. It flows towards an euphoric feeling of being in the place of the house of God. But yet, being in the house of God and bringing worship is not enough. Being in the house of God, being with the brethren is not enough. There has to be another reason for being in the house of God. And that is to come to an understanding of what this is all about. It's not about you and I. It's not about a church. It's not about echoes. It is about Jesus Christ. The whole message of salvation, the whole message of your life is about serving this Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what church is about. That's what the gospel is about. That's what the Bible is about. It's about serving this Lord and understanding him and seeing him for who he is. And so with this in mind, let's, let's look. I believe as Hebrews 12 chapter said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. Looking unto Jesus, the archagon, the one who created this faith and the one who leads us in faith. He hasn't gone away. He's still the leader. Can you say amen? Men aren't the leaders of this movement. Churches are not the leaders of this movement. Jesus Christ is the archagon. He's the architect and the leader of this movement. And no one will take his place. No one can put him out of his place. Even though it's tried time and time again, he still is the author and finisher of our faith. So I want to begin to look at him a little bit. And if we're going to look at the Lord in, in the beginnings of a thing, I, I think we have to ask this question, and I, and I think probably everybody has over their lifetime, is why and how did this all start? And I don't know if you think on eternal terms. We just mentioned that. Why did this start? What are we doing here? I mean, we get to the place sometimes where it just seems like we're a, we're a speck, we're a, we're a piece of sand on the seashore. We're so small, minute, and tiny, and what am I doing here? What, what is this all about anyway? And so I think we have to start there 
to begin a thing. And if we're going to look at it that way, I think we have to start with God in eternity who knew what he was going to do, who began to plan and purpose. We just read his purposes came through Jesus Christ. But, but if you miss the first beginnings of this thing, you're going to miss a whole lot in Scripture. And so let's go again to the beginnings. In the beginning was the Logos of God. And if you read the, the book of John, the first chapter and the first verse, and study that a little bit and get out of the English translation, the Latin translation just a little bit, you're going to find out that that word there, logos of God, is not word, but it's the reason, it's the logic. It is the plan, purpose of God. In the beginning, God had a purpose for this thing. In the beginning, God just wasn't throwing something out there. He wasn't just making universes. He wasn't just, just creating things. But in the beginning, God had a plan and a purpose. Somebody say amen. And when God began to do it, it was with purpose. God has never done anything without purpose. He does everything. He does it well, but he does it intentional and he does it with purpose. He didn't save you without a purpose. He didn't die for you without a purpose. He didn't set you free without a purpose. He has a purpose in your life and God starts a thing with purpose and he ends it with purpose. So in that beginning he had purpose and reason and logic and, and that logic was within him. It wasn't separate from him. It wasn't another entity. It wasn't another person. But it was what was inside of God. And so John goes on to say this way. And you can take it either way, the translation you want to. But the Logos was God or God was the Logos. You can't separate it. You can't tear him apart. I'm, I'm a little weary with people tearing God apart. God had his purpose. God had his plan. Nobody helped him. Nobody told him. Nobody advised him. But he put it together himself. And it was within him. And he put it in motion out of from within him out of his thought out of his purpose out of his intention he began to do this thing now let me say this that the crux of everything that God began and the crux is a word that, that is the decisive most important point at issue and that's why I use this word crux the crux of what God began to do was centralized centralized in this one thought of his that God was going to be manifested in flesh, that God was going to put on humanity and dwell among us. Now, a lot of people don't, don't want to go here. They don't want to deal with this very much because, you know, that's kind of an out-of-the-way thing. You know, we just have Christ came down, he died, and it was over, and, and it's all good, and, and we can just get saved. But God intended something. And I go back and I look in the heart of God, look in the mind of God. And when it says the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, don't you know in the mind of God that he's looking down through time. He's looking down to where a point in time somewhere where he himself would suffer the death of the cross. And to me, that's a mighty, mighty God. To me, he didn't send somebody in his place. He didn't put somebody else up to the chore. But he himself, God, was manifested in flesh. 
God put on flesh. And so way back in eternity, here is God, and he is planning this and purposing this. And he says, I'm going to be involved with humanity, and I'm not just going to be a God in heaven that they can pray to, but I'm going to be a God who literally becomes flesh and dwells among them, who knows what it's like to be a human being. I'm so glad that my Lord knows what it's like to be a human being this morning. He knows the pain and suffering. He knows the agony of rejection that we feel. He knows all of those things that we feel. I'm glad that he didn't stay in heaven, but he became that man of flesh for you and I. Can you say amen? And so the very idea in God's creation, the crux of the whole idea had to do with him becoming manifested in a fleshly body. See, if one believes that God designed everything to accommodate this, then the scripture is going to make sense to you. And revelation is going to begin to take place in your life. When you understand that God did this whole thing about him, that your life and living is not about you, as much as you think it is, it's not about you. It's about him. And everything that was created in the earth was not created for you. It was created to accommodate the plan of God and tension and purpose that he set down in eternity and set everything up to accommodate what he had planned for himself. See, in the Greek text, creation is not made by a pre-incarnate son that's in heaven. Now, I know that you'll read it this way in the English Bible, and that's okay. This is a place where you might want to take a note because you might want to go back and look at it. You need to get yourself a Greek New Testament and look at it. Because what's being propagated by many preachers and, and has been for centuries is that Christ created the earth. But I have to, have to tell you this this morning, that Christ was not in existence at the time of creation. There was a time when there was not a son. See, he's not born eternal in the heaven. No, that, that's not the picture of this. But let me read it to you in the Greek text. It is that rather in him, for him, and because of him. That's the words that's used in the Greek. In the English, we we'll say through him and by him. But in the Greek, it is in him, for him, and because of him, and then it follows it up with this, in, 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 the, uh, in Paul's writing in Colossians, he says, He is before everything, and all things consist in him. I'm going to go to that word before. It's a Greek word pra, and it means the first place of importance in front of everything is Jesus Christ. He's not lagging behind somewhere. He's not a second thought. He's not something people rebelled. The, the, the Jewish people went astray, so God made a substitution. No, in the plan and heart and mind of God, Jesus Christ is first and foremost above all things. 
He's first and foremost above creation. Can the church say amen? He's first and foremost above an Old Testament. He's first and foremost above a New Testament. He's first above the church. He's first above the heavens. He's first above the earth. He is first and all things are done for his pleasure and everything that has been created is not for you and me. It is for his pleasure. He has created all things. When we come to believe that Jesus is first, it changes our perspective of what the Bible is about. The Bible is, is a revelation of God. This is what the Bible is. Rodney reminded me, he said, well, Pop said, Jesus said, go back and read the Old Testament. That's about me. Yeah, it's about him. The whole thing is about him. From cover to cover is about him. You're pretty exclusive this morning, Pastor. You know, can we do some, can we add some other things in there? No, not in Christianity. In Christianity, all things are for him. All things are about him. He holds all things by the order of his power and his word. Everything is subject to him. And he has a name this morning that's higher than any name in the earth. It's higher than any name under the earth. It is higher than any name in heaven. So, wow. This thing really is about him. And so... So we look at the revelation of God in Christ and it begins to happen over a process of time. God doesn't know time, but we do. God doesn't have beginning, but we do. But God sets this thing in time so that revelation is progressive. Revelation doesn't happen all at once. It's progressive. It progresses in time. What we call dispensations. I don't know if anybody's ever studied the dispensational stuff. Boy, it's really tricky. There's, there's a lot of things there that you really need to know. And I'm trying to simplify this so easy for you this morning. That dispensations, God has summed up all the stewardship of the dispensations into one thing. And that is Jesus Christ is going to be head over all dispensations and over all times. Ephesians, the first chapter, God made it really simple for us to look at. But yet we have these things called dispensations or the scripture calls ages. And if we see him progressively in the ages, and this is kind of what I've been talking about these last few weeks, and the Lord just, he just put it on my heart again. But this term that I like to use is called progressive revelation. Never, listen to me clearly, never in the scripture and never from anyone that we have ever known is there an example of instant full disclosure. It just doesn't happen that way. Well, I'm going to go down and get saved and and, and, you know, get filled with the Spirit and then all have all wisdom and myst- of mysteries and knowledge in the Lord. No, it doesn't happen that way. There is no, we'd be bringing people down and slapping oil on their head and said, you receive the full understanding of everything about God now. Bang, and, and pray for them. It doesn't happen that way. But pastor, what if I get in a good service? 
And the Lord moves on me, and I begin to cry, and I begin to feel the presence of God. And I get down there, and won't I get just all the understanding of God? No, you won't. Because revelation is progressive in every life. Well, Grandma had it. Don't, can I inherit it? My pastor that I sent under for years, can I just, I was under him for a long time. Can I just get his revelation? No, because revelation is progressive in your life. What are you doing with him? What's your hunger and desire after him? See, your revelation of God is going to be determined by how you seek him, how you understand him, how you listen to him. And so this progressive revelation, it never comes in full disclosure. And we just get down there. Peter, Peter had a revelation. Thou art the son of God. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He had that revelation. But he certainly, we know later on, he denied Jesus and said, I don't even know him. He did not have all revelation. He got some revelation. He said, well, I've been going to church for years and years and years. I must have all revelation. Well, I wish it worked that way, but it doesn't. But God lays down something in our spirit. Come on, say amen. God begins to do something in our spirit. I don't know if you've ever, you, maybe you've never felt it before. That God just drew you by hunger. And you said, I've got to know more about my Lord. I've got to know him. Isn't it Paul at the end of his life saying, oh, that I may know him. Yeah, I may know him in, in his suffering and in his fellowship that I might be conformable to him and I think about that God is not what we do. It's not how much we go to church. It's not how many churches that we establish and put together. But it is the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you say an amen there? Man doesn't live by bread alone. Every word proceeding from God. And I couple that with the Progressive revelation is that I might get by eating dinners and just existing on food. That, that's possible. I might get by. But I'm not really going to know my purpose doing that. I'm not going to know my purpose just traveling through life and getting it over with. Putting in my 40 years of work or however long it is and then, then, then going... Uh, on retirement, and that's my life. No, that's not my life. It's not my life's quest. My life's quest is to find him. My life's quest is it doesn't matter what my job is. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life, the circumstances. My, my quest is to find him and to know him and grow in him and understand him and every word proceeding out of the mouth of God. I'm not going to preach it this morning, but you and I have a responsibility to go proceeding in the revelation of the Lord in our life personally. There is placed upon us. Uh, uh, a responsibility to understand just like the ages. They needed to understand every preceding word of God. Listen to this. I put this in there. Mankind will exist only as long as it accommodates the purpose, desire of the great creator. That's how long you and I will exist. And for that reason, we will exist that it accommodates the Lord Jesus Christ. So God's plan, God's plan, it proceeds from Logos, which we talked about, all the way to Teleos, 
And teleos is a completion. It's the fullness. It's the finish. I don't know if in our lifetime we'll see the finish. But there's a finish line out there. Can you say amen? There is going to be an end. And during that whole time, this progressive revelation of God revealing, revealing the mystery, God, even Father and Christ, in which is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So I think about that, Lord. Really, knowledge isn't about stuff. It's not about knowing what's going on in the world. I mean, there are people that study, and, and, and I'm so thankful for those that, that do get college educations, and, and they're good at a certain thing. I thought about this a lot when Kay went in to get surgery. I, I don't want some guy who, you know, really he's a foot doctor or something to come in there and do brain surgery. We don't need that. We need somebody that's really studied. And, and so the things of the flesh are flesh. The things of the spirit are spirit. And so you can study the things of the flesh, and that's good. And, and, and it's, but all the, the, the wisdom of the treasures of God, they're not found in that kind of thing, but they, they are found in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the wisdom of how God created this and the wisdom of what God is doing as we are walking through this lifetime of ours. So in Genesis, the first chapter and 26th verse, and I want to talk here, we're just going to, we're going to put bookends on this this morning. It's Genesis 1.26 and it's Malachi 3.1. And Genesis 1.26 is, Let us make man in our image. And Malachi 3.1, at the end of the close of the Old Testament, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come into his temple. I'm going to call this one age, one dispensation, one time period. From the event of God saying, let us make man, to the event of Christ being born, birthed out of Mary's womb, there is this time in which God is giving preceding revelation. He is showing them little by little, piece by piece, the revelation of God in Christ. They don't understand it all. They only see glimpses and pieces and parts. But there's no place to stop at a permanent dwelling of say, this is my revelation and I'm stopping there. Because when you do that, you're going to miss what God has over in the teleos. You've got to follow him, proceeding with him. God's word is not a stale word. It's going to set you somewhere and leave you there. God's word is a proceeding word. Revelation is proceeding. Years ago, Mark Hamby said this. It's wrong for us to think that we got all revelation because we got some revelation. And that's where we're at. That's where churches are at. That's where denominations are at. They'll never go by where they're at because they stopped there. They wrote the rules. They sat down. That's as far as they're going. They'll never go past that. If you go past that, you are out of their favor. You're out of their fellowship. You can't travel past where denomination has said their theology ends. And you'll never know. Another thing about God, you might as well go to their school. You might as well sit in their classes and learn what they know. And that's what you'll know. But the revelation of God doesn't stop with denomination. Somebody said, 
say amen. The revelation of God doesn't stop with getting in the right church. The revelation of God in Christ Jesus is a forever quest in our life that we're going to study after, we're going to follow after, and the hunger that's in our heart is going to determine where we go with it. Come on, say amen. So there's no place in the Old Testament for us to stop. And I said this the other day. I don't know if you caught it. But the Jews stopped at some places. And for that reason, they could not come into the revelation of who Jesus Christ was. That's like a scary thing, right? Hey, man, we're not quite done yet. Punch your neighbor and say, wake up. That's it. Wake up a little bit. So, there's no place to stop in the Old Testament and say we've got it. From the outset of the actual, from the outset to the actual event of the incarnation, is this age and dispensation where God is going to be revealed. And it's only to the hungry, only to the thirsty, only to those who are believing this preceding word of God, are they going to begin to understand where God is going with this thing? Man, it's a, it's a tough thing when you can't see and you're just, you're just blindly following. You're just a, the Lord is leading, but you don't know where you're going. Abraham, you come out. I'm going to lead you into land you don't know, but Lord, I don't know where to go. You don't need to know where to go. What you need to do is follow me. And if Abraham doesn't follow a preceding word, we don't have what we have this morning. So let's look at this in the beginning. Then let us make man. I want to talk about this for a minute because so many people think that this is a proof of certain theology. Let us make man. And we use the word us in there. And so we've got more than one something. I don't know God be, being some kind of plurality. And, and so we go with this, this thing and, and it's made sense to, to the, to the uh, uh, church Reason, the church reasoning of theology is to make this a plural setting of God. But does this controversy and misunderstanding of this one verse, uh, or should there be something that takes precedence over misunderstanding of one verse and controversy? And I say, yes, there is. And that is the whole word of God. And so I can't stop on one verse and plant everything and say everything's going to stop right there on a verse. I can't interpret a thing and say that verse is going to run my life. But it is a preceding word of God. That's why they had 39 books in the Old Testament. They didn't have one. They didn't just have the book of Genesis in the first chapter. But what they had was 39 books and each one of them contains a revelation of what God is trying to pour out to humanity. So the Jews give two possibilities of this verse. I'll go over it a little bit this morning. It's similar, similar to what we teach. That God, plural, person, couldn't be talking to himself. If God were plural person, person talking to himself, who would be doing the speaking? One of the persons would have to be speaking to the other persons. What person would that be? The scripture doesn't follow that. And the Jew believes the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. 
And I believe that with them this morning. And they yell, Ikad, Ikad, Ikad. The Lord our God is just single. Somebody said a while back, they looked at our, our website and they said, solo theism. What in the world does solo theism mean? And it's not a term you can go to the dictionary and find out. But I believe God impressed it to this body to believe that God is who he is. And he has no partners and he has no helpers. He is just who he is. And so taking this stance, when we look at this word, us, there's some possibilities here. One of them is that God was speaking to the earth, which he had created, because man is two-part. He's made out of dirt, and he's made out of spirit. God did the spirit part. The earth supplied the, the man part, the physical part, the body part. God created him out of the dirt, so he could have been speaking to the dirt. Secondly, he could have been speaking to the heavenly host and telling them, we're going to create now. We, we are going to make man in our image and in our likeness. But according to, to John, the fourth chapter, Jesus said, God is spirit. So I can't be in the likeness of God in a physical body. He is spirit, not contained in a body. But I'm going to give you a third possibility this morning that should make you leap and shout in your spirit. And that third possibility is God sees the end from the beginning. He knows the end of a thing from the beginning. Can everybody say amen? And God looking down through time and in his heart and in his logos and in his insight and vision and he sees Christ there. And when he sees Christ there, we are formed after the image of him. And so we are formed in the image of God and not what exists right then, but what is going to be prophetically by the word of God progression to the time of the birth of Jesus Christ. But God sees it in the beginning and he creates man according to what he saw that he would do in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. I thought you'd shout more than that this morning on that. In other words, God didn't look sitting around the little triune table talking out their differences. How are we going to create man? Well, I think it should be six foot. No, nope, I think it should be 5'11". Okay, we're going to have to try and Right, let's take a vote, two out of three. Uh, well, what do you think? What do you think we should do with them? Put them in the garden. Well, I don't think they should get that, you know, and, and, and just the discussion, you know, of everything that about creating. I don't see it that way at all. But I see God looking down through his plan, looking through the eyes of revelation, looking through the eyes of what he had purposed. And that verse that we read this morning that God did everything because he purposed it in Christ Jesus. He not only purposed Christ to come and to die, but he purposed humanity to accommodate the plan of God. Can you say amen? How am I like him? Because he became man. I am man, made in his image. See, we have to start things first. Okay, what, what about Scripture, Pastor, where says Jesus is the firstborn? Oh, I believe that with all my heart. In the mind and the logos of God, Jesus is the firstborn. He is what everything else is about. He is the center of all things. He's the center of the universe. He's the center of creation. He's the center of the ages. Oh, he is in the mind and heart of God. He is the first of all creation. And God did all things looking towards the first of creation, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
In this way, his plan was kept perfect. In this way, what he intended came to pass. So if we can see God understanding and seeing the end from the beginning, would he not set up everything to accommodate his holy purpose? I want to look at the comparison of Adam and Jesus for just a moment. Adam was the first man. Everybody knows that? Say amen. Adam was the first man. The first man was earthly. 1 Corinthians 15 chapter. The first man was earthly. Fleshy. Earthly. The second man, Jesus, who actually was the first man, Although in the progression of our mind, Adam came first and Jesus came later. In the, in, the, in the progression of mind of God, Jesus came first and Adam came after. But Jesus, being the firstborn of all creation, was out of heaven. He was not out of earth. Out of the heart and the mind and purpose of God, the envisioning. I like to take this word, let's create man in our own image. And I like that. Take that to extension of the word image into imagination. Can God imagine a thing? Yes, I believe in God's heart. There is the imagination, the, the anticipation of the time when Christ would be born into the earth. So it's not this thing where we set a theology on a thing. And, and again, the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. Well, well was he out there killed somewhere? Did they take him out before the foundation of the earth and kill him? No, but in the heart and mind and purpose of God, before I even put this mud ball together, somebody say amen right there. Wow. Before I even put man on the mud ball, I've got an intention for the development of creation, and that is Christ Jesus. The more I begin to understand this, the more I begin to see that this isn't about me. There's something higher. Can you say amen? There's just something higher. There's a plan and purpose that's higher than me and my thing. So I'm going to advise you this morning, don't stop in one place too long. I mean, we've got some good things happen in our life. and some. We can go back to some testimonies, all of us. Can you say amen? God's done some great things. We've had some revelations in our life. But if we stay too long in a spot, something wrong is going to happen. If you stay too long at let us and don't proceed on, you'll fill your Bible up with strange ideas. I'm going to stay at let us. Bless God, that's where I'm going to anchor my Christianity on let us. You're going to come up with some really, really crazy ideas. Because however that was the starting point, we're not staying there. We're going on from there. We walk on with the Lord. Everything in the New Testament is about us walking with the Lord. There is no time that we're going to sit down and stay in a revelation. We're going to continue to follow after the revelation of Jesus Christ. So if you get locked into one verse, you're going to have some problems. They said, well, pastor, you know, isn't the word of God correct? Isn't it right? Yeah, 
It sure is. But it also is proceeding. Well, Pastor, I got this verse, and I believe it, and God's going to do it. And I found it in the Old Testament, and God's going to do it. Well, a lot of verses in the Old Testament needed to proceed because they were talking about the Lord to come. They were talking about something that wasn't even in their age and in their time, but it's talking about something that is progressing in the Lord. And so God gave us these 39 books in the Old Testament where God is giving out prophetic insights of progression. And when we go to the Old Testament and we look there for stories and we look there for things to preach about so that we can say that God is going to deliver you in your need and he's going to supply and we go to the widow and how God supplied for her and we go to all the people that God did things for in the Old Testament how that he won great battles and we stay in those things and work backwards we never will get to the progressive view of Jesus Christ and it's not about God winning battles in an Old Testament It's not about God's going to take you through your troubles and trials. What it is about is I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I'm not a conqueror in an Old Testament. I'm not a conqueror because I found a verse somewhere and I'm going to believe that. I am victorious in Him. My faith in Him gives me victory from day to day to day. Can you say amen? Now I've got to finish this thing. You're not going to hear me preach for two weeks. Well, unless you go to camp. So let's talk about Abel. But I don't want to just talk about Abel. I want to talk about the sacrifice he brought. And you look at that in the original Hebrew, and you're going to find out that he brought the blood, and he also brought the bread. The same word used later on in the Hebrew text. Adam had translated to his son something. He understood something. And when he brought his sacrifice, he brought the body and the blood. So I can't leave him back there outside of the garden somewhere where his brother is evil and and slays him. And and we go to a story, am I my brother's keeper? No, I've got to bring it up where it's at. The first sacrifice was the blood and the body. And the last sacrifice would be the blood and the body. And we could talk about Noah and Noah's ark and how he built an ark. And we'll look at those, those how they went to sea on Mount Ararat if that ark is there. and, And they found pieces of wood. And boy, we're really excited about that. But let me tell you this morning, the ark was not about the ark. What Noah did was not about him and the people. It was ordained for a preservation of the people of God. The seed of God was preserved by the ark. And if you don't go there, you never get to Christ in the story. And come on, let's talk about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. What about them? Let me tell you about them. They were there to bring a seed. They weren't there just to establish a people and a religion. They were there, God said, through you your seed. I am going to bless the world. And you can't leave it back there. You can't go back to Abraham worshiping, Jacob worshiping, Isaac worship. But God is a proceeding word. Can you say amen? It's going to proceed through Abraham. It's going to get to Isaac. It's going to get to Jacob. It's going to get to the sons of Israel. And generations after generations after generations, it's going to get to Christ. He is the seed. Can you say amen? And we can talk about Moses and the law. This is where the Jews stopped. Well, pastor, are we under the law? Have you ever wondered about that? Are we under the law? 
No, there's something greater that eclipsed the law. The law was there for a time and a season. It was only there to set up a people of God. The temple, the tabernacle that was established by Moses. That was not the real. The temple was not the real. But it was a picture of what was to come. And if we stay in that and we stop in that, we will not understand the revelation of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. But you're not going to stop at Abraham. You're not going to stop at Moses. You're not going to stop at David. Don't tell me just the story about David and Goliath because David did a great thing and he killed a giant. It's not about killing a giant. It's about his seed, his son, the son of David, who was a sin killer. It's about the one who established the death of sin and that giant came down and Jesus cut sin's head off at Calvary. That's where it all goes. Everything goes to Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? You can preach to me about the temple and the, and the old things of the temple, but don't try and take me back there. Don't take me back to temple worship. Somebody said they're developing the red heifer, perfect red heifer, so they can do the perfect sacrifice. Don't take me there. I'm not showing up. And if they put it on TV, I'm not watching it. There's one sacrifice for sin for all time, and that's not another goat, and it's not another bull, and it's not another animal. But it is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not going back to temple worship. I'm not going back to Davidic worship. I'm going on because the praise that comes forth in the church is far more edifying than the praise of an old tabernacle somewhere. The glory that comes out of the people of God isn't about an old thing where they don't know him. We know who we are worshiping this morning. We've got his name. We've got his character. We know who he is and what he is like. And he's the Lord and Savior this morning. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Well, I'm about preached out, and I thank you some of you are listened out too, so we're going to close here. The dim flickering light of the ancients they saw little little things a little prophetic word here a little something there David saw it he felt it he wrote some psalms not even knowing not even knowing what it meant he said some things prophetically and just he didn't understand who his son would be the Lord sent it to my Lord he doesn't know what that means. But yet he prophesies it, and it's a preceding word in his life. And You read David, and, and he just looks forward to something that isn't happening in his day, and no wonder God loved him because David was hooked into a preceding word. And let me say this this morning. Some of you all might have failures. I'm going to tell you, David had a lot of failures in his life. Amen? He had some rough stuff go on. He did some things that, that was wrong. But there was something in his life that wanted to inquire of the Lord and see his beauty. 
There was something down in him that Saul didn't have. Even though Saul didn't make the mistakes that David made, there was something inside of David. I'm here to tell you this morning, you may have made some mistakes in your life, but it's not about the mistakes you've made. It's not even about the forgiveness you've got. It's about that desire to find him and follow him and know him, know who he is, know him as your Lord, know him in his person. That is desire. That desire will take you through a lot of trouble in your life. Can you say amen? This dim flickering light that the ancients saw. The scripture said it's turned into a great light. How great is that light? Pure radiance. Pure radiance. Let's put it this way. They started with a match. And that was their revelation. That's not much. And they got to a candle. And they burnt the candle a while. And they got, they, then they got to a bigger light. And they burned it for a while, but still it's dim. They can't see everything. But the scripture said that the people that sat in darkness, they saw a great light. It was the illumination of everything that God was. It was the fullness of the godness bodily appeared to them. All the ancients, they didn't see much, but they had their hearts set upon it and they looked forward into. And as time went on and progression went on, finally we get to the day when Jesus is born. We get to the day when the angels say, today the Christ is born in Bethlehem. And they've come down to see him too because they have never seen God. But there he is. And the light and the glory of God in the body in the face, in the person, in the countenance of Jesus Christ. There he is. And all that the ancients have wondered about and only saw a little of now stands before them in glory. Wow. Wow. When the Lord stands before the church in glory, we're going to change. We're going to change from being entertained to being so hungry. Pastor, those words that you're saying are ringing something in my spirit. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for you, Lord. We've been to church so long and been pacified so long. And, and we thought it was about helping us, you know, just get along through our daily life. And we'll go to church on Sunday. We'll go to church on Wednesday and we'll just barely make it. But I've got something better for you this morning. That's a dim light. That's a very dim light. Let me show you the great light this morning. He's going to illuminate your life. He's going to bring light where darkness was. He said, I don't understand. A lot of the stuff you said this morning, Pastor, it's just foreign to me. I don't even understand what you're talking about. Let me say it this simple. God is going to turn the light of revelation on in you if you hunger and thirst after his revelation. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Brother Tom, Sister Debbie, would you come up and musicians, come up, Lord. Lord, I'm hungry this morning. It's not because this is my fast day, and, but I'm hungry.
for you, Lord. I've seen enough. There's a title song, title of a song that that, uh, that we had come up on a Christian radio several times this last week. It said religion is not getting it done. It's not doing it. And I have to agree with that. My going to church isn't doing it. My dedicated every day reading a chapter isn't doing it. My 15 minutes in prayer just, you know, I do it, but it's it's not it's not sufficing. But God, I'm hungry for you, Lord. I'm hungry for you, Lord. I don't care if it's five minutes or an hour. I've got to be in your presence. As my heart cries out, God, reveal, reveal yourself to me, Lord. Let your presence, oh God, so come and touch us this morning, Lord. God, I pray right now you develop a hunger Lord, maybe some of the said things that we said this morning is not easily understood, but what is easily understood, Lord, is that I need you. I'm ready to go on. I'm ready to walk on, Lord. I've hit some dry times in my life. I've, I just don't even know what to do, but Lord, that hunger and thirst, I pray, will be developed in every heart here this morning, oh God. That I know you, that I walk with you, live with you, Lord. This is my prayer. To your rest. And